The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Uh. Fabio Carrique, inside linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, and you are tuning into the Blue Stable Podcast. Another week, and it's another time for a Blue Stable Podcast episode, right for all of you who are coming on to the stable with us, guys. Again, if you guys want to help us grow, make sure you subscribe, comment, like down below. Uh, on whether if it's on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a five-star review. It would really help us out. But again, welcome. I am as always. Let me move this out the way. That way you can see all this lusciousness, man. I'm probably freaking hideous. But anyways, Michael Pivia joined by me, Destin Adams, Destin Traquavion Adams. We got Rashad McGinnis, King of Colts, Mr. Hollywood, Tracy McGrady lover. Rashad, man, how you feeling today? I'm pretty good, man. I'm happy to be here. Excited to discuss the two topics that we have discussed: uh, our top 15 players, interior defensive linemen, and running backs, and this left tackle position that you guys have been waiting to fight over. I'm, I'm interested to see how this is gonna unfold. Destin's been waiting to fight over it, and it's really not gonna be much of a fight. But I'll, I'll give him some some little leash. Uh, so that, that some leash to pull on, you know what I mean? But Destin, first off, man, it's a it's a pretty big week for you and your sports fandom. Indiana, Indiana Pacers got the draft here tomorrow night because this is when people are listening to this on Wednesday. How you feeling, man? Is is the buzz picking up? Are you getting nervous? Man, I'm just not all that used to caring this much about the NBA draft as a Pacer fan. Um, we, we've talked about this before on the podcast. First ever top 10 pick of my lifetime. First ever top 10 pick for the Pacers since the 1980s, um, 1989 to be exact. I, I feel like it's hurting my health, man. I feel like every single day I'm, re, I'm looking through these stupid trade draft rumors and uh, my heart's doing unhealthy things, just beating fast and every, every single tweet that comes out. I, I just I'm just ready for it to be over, and I'm really hoping they just don't screw it up. You know, hey man, we are rooting for you, Rashad and I, Lakers and Mavericks fans. We are rooting for you. We don't have a pick, but we are rooting obviously for our third tier T 
team in the NBA, the Indiana Pacers. Uh, but this is going to be a Colts show that we're going to talk about. And guys, we got to start off with the news that hit everybody last week. Uh, Kari Willis, starting safety for the Indianapolis Colts, is retiring from the NFL. Um, still on his rookie contract, he retires a really good safety in the NFL. Where where do I even start, man? I, th- this actually kind of hit me a little bit because y'all know how how I feel about Kari. I've talked him up for for a while now, and it, it hit. I remember. I mean, I'll, I'll let you guys talk. I know I didn't even hear anything about this. Like I, I asked around, of course, when I saw the names, obviously that were missing from um, OTAs. All I knew is that that he was uh, taking care of a personal issue. That's all I was told. I was never hinted at retirement or it never crossed my mind, but damn it, man. I'm so sick and tired of these retirements. I'm so tired of these way too early retirements. Destin, uh, what was your reaction? Uh, we'll go to Destin and then Rashad. What was y'all's guys reaction to Kari Willis uh, hanging it up and pursuing a career in ministry? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely surprising. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the safety room um, this offseason, um, what, what the move for Cross meant for maybe a guy like Willis who was on a contract year. Um, it was definitely surprising um, to see a guy who never got that second contract for being a um, later pick um, than the top two rounds where you can get some of that guaranteed money up front. Um, for him not being able to get that second contract, that kind of um, hit me originally. Like, like this dude is – he's really just – life is bigger than football, you know. He's bigger than the money. He has a bigger purpose. Um, and that, that was a really cool moment for me just to kind of think about that this guy was moments away from the actual contract that would have retired him for life um, financially um, to the point where he felt the call and he went ahead and did it. And, I mean, there's there's a – part of that where you I think you have to respect it um for a guy that's able and willing to do that um could I have done that no but hey good good power to him man um selfishly selfishly I was mad because he literally dropped this news a Wednesday morning story broke and we had just recorded the pod the night before that so it feels kind of like we're discussing something so old right now I can't believe it's been a week already but um I was happy for him man anytime you get a guy that that gets to make his own decision and walk off on his own terms in such a violent and brutal sport you can't help but support the guy I mean the reason just was the icing on the cake you know he, he did it for something he felt like was bigger um he had a multi multi-million dollar payday on the way and he just said, screw it, man, because his goals and his values was more important to him. Something rarely seen this day and age. Uh, I can't do nothing but salute that man. I have the utmost respect for him. Uh, shout out to him. Wish you success on your next chapter in life, Kyrie. Uh, you'll always be a coat for life. And, and I know Michael is personally upset about this because he went to war behind Kyrie last, just last week. And now look. All for nothing. Sorry, Michael. Hey, man. I uh, I I was a little bit speechless for for about an hour because of everything we've talked about uh, on the field. And man, dude, I do want to talk about Kari for a little bit, man, because th- this guy, he's a great guy. I went back 
and looked at uh, and started researching if there were like any articles from Michigan State. And there were, I found about three of them that highlighted who he was in the Michigan State University, their athletics department, a leader from day one when he walked in as a freshman. Uh, there was a couple of articles that highlighted how how he was just more mature beyond his years as an 18-year-old walking into Michigan State. He had leadership that you would expect from seniors, from super fifth-year seniors. He had such a great relationship with every single one of his teammates. He was one of the most respected players in the Spartans locker room. He was such an important piece. He was the most important piece on the Michigan State Spartans defense in his senior year. He was their best player on that side of the ball. He was a communicator. He was the play caller. He helped get a couple of guys who were freshmen at the time, grow them up as corners and other safeties. He just meant so much not only to the Spartans, but also as a Colt. You saw him day one as an Indianapolis Colt. He came in, and remember, I talked about it like maybe not even a month ago. How we were watching that Titans game, week two. So, like, zone right to the Colt sideline. Derrick Henry comes, someone flies in and hammers him, puts him down. Like, who the hell is that? What, what safety do we have that does that? It was Kari Willis. Won the starting job his rookie year already was well-respected, one of the most respected. Not very vocal, but he was one of the most respected players in that locker room. He helped guys. He even helped Julian Blackman. This is a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't know, but Kari Willis was one of the guys that helped Julian Blackman, and I'm sure still helping Julian Blackman from this ACL injury, Julian Blackman's rookie year, and then from what he's coming through with this Achilles. He's meant a lot to Julian. Uh, one of his best friends was uh, Kenny Moore. He's meant a lot to these guys. And I did uh, text someone personally, and they were notified maybe a day before. And it, it was a couple of tears because they weren't going to have their brother on the field in that locker room. But it was like, it, it was just so joyful. It was joyous. They were happy for him. And I'm disappointed to, to see him go leave the Colts. I mean, like Destin said, this guy was about to get a life-changing contract, whether it was from the Colts or someone else. He was about to get a life-saving, like a life-changing contract, much money. And he walked away from it to pursue something he believes in. And he thinks that he's he and his life stand for. So Kari, um, thank you for the time. It is not easy. Like Destin Rashad said, it's not easy to walk away from millions of dollars on the table. Um, and, hey, football is a dangerous sport. And if you're looking out for yourself, Kari, hell of a career. Uh, I'm sure you'll go down in the Michigan State Spartans Hall of Fame one day. Destin Rashad, any other closing remarks about Kari Willis uh, retiring early? But we're happy for him. I'm just going through some of these safety contracts recently, um, trying to look at like what I think the market could have been just to like put a number to like what he was walking away from. Um, and I'm just looking around here. So Jimmy Ward got his contract um, semi recently. Um, he's a little older um, than Kari was. I would say that they're in a similar tier 
of safety plays. Ooh. Ward's Ward's a little bit higher, probably, but like, yeah, I, I would say that that they're pretty similar. Going down the list, that's gonna be the closest to compare here. Maybe, yeah, Tracy Walker on the Lions, maybe. Um, but either way, I mean, their contracts are pretty similar. Jimmy Ward's getting nine and a half. Tracy Walker's getting eight and a third. So, I mean, somewhere in that like eight and a half to nine and a half range is probably what I could have seen Kari getting. Um, I don't think that would have been here. We kind of talked about that a little bit previously that I think the cross move and the trade up, how they did it kind of screamed to me that they were not going to pay him. Um, but I do think he was good enough in the NFL. That that's probably the realm of contract he could have gotten on the open market. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, and again, like this was going to be his biggest year getting paid. He was, he was going to get a little bit over two, two mil this year um, as mm-hmm. that last, um, because for those who don't know, like the later picks in the draft, usually how their contracts are set up is the longer you make it on that team through that first contract, the money goes up as just kind of like a reward for making it throughout the contract. Mm-hmm. Just cause some, the majority of day three picks like that, they, they end up not making it the entirety of that contract. So, and Willis had earned every bit of what he's made and was underpaid and was going to get, he was finally going to be getting over 2 million this year. And then, as we said, going to be northing into that 8 million around range like that, that's just crazy to me. Yeah, I think he made for his career. Uh, I think he made a total of two and a half million dollars. So, that's just gives you an idea of how much money he was making per year. Probably roughly around eight hundred k, a little over eight hundred k, which is crazy for a player of his stature. You know, three year starter and a guy that was at times played some great football for this organization, man. And he was just a pleasure to have, man. Shout out. Shout out Kari Willis, man. I, I, I'm I, not sure if there's been anything about what's left on his remaining deal. If, you know, it's a classy move that the Colts do most of the time, just pay him out the rest of his contract. I, I haven't heard anything about that. I haven't read anything about that. I'm sure we'll get probably updates when we hit training camp. But other than that, Kari Willis, enjoy retirement, buddy. Um somebody's going to get a spot on that top 15 position uh, rankings for the safeties now. So I guess, but you Kari Willis leaving. On, your, on your list, man. We're not. Doing hey, that. hey, <laughs> how many weeks ago was it two, three weeks ago when you weren't here and Zach was on with us, Rashad? Yeah. Yeah. So that was the week when we were talking about who, what players could be top 10 at their positions by the end of the year. And Michael went on the ledge to say that Kari Willis was going to be a top 10 at his position by the end of the year. If I was here, I would have pushed Mike off that list. That same <laughs> list he went on and said that. Sh- but look, you almost made me curious. I don't want to curse this early into the episode. Okay, so just just carry on, Michael. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, but anyways, with Willis now leaving a starting spot open, what does this mean for the safety group? Now, I've talked about this is probably the deepest, the best overall room in the league. That takes a hit now. Julian Blackman still working back from an Achilles. Rodney McLeod, is he the guy that steps into that starting role? Championship experience. He's the vet. He's going to want to play a lot of snaps. But then we drafted Nick Cross. Very talented safety. Probably the prototypical, prototypical safety you want in this scheme. Power, speed, 
coverage ability. I mean, the whole nine yards. Maybe, may, maybe you got to call up a certain mullet and, and get him back to the Colts. You know, bring bring some whoa, depth, bring some leadership. Whoa, 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 whoa! We have we have we have morals now. Hashtag no mullets in Indy. <laughs> Hashtag no mullets in Indy. Wow, up north, you're telling. Man, you was about to make me say something out of pocket. Um. Anyways, Mike, don't get us uh, canceled, Mike. Right. Uh, so, what what does this mean, Rashad? I'll, I'll start with you, man. Uh, you're you're a lot of talent is leaving this room. So, who are you looking at right now for the strong safety spot? Whether if it's Rodney McLeod, Nick Cross, or maybe this is a spot where potentially maybe a Rodney Thomas can step in. I'm sure they'll um, explore that in training camp. This was one of the positions, uh, now looking at the Kyrie Willis move in a football sense, this was one of the places where the Colts, if the Colts were going to lose a starter, they could afford to lose a guy at because they are deep at this position, where they were deep at this position. Um, you could go either route. You could go to McLeod route or the Nick Cross route. The likely route I think you do explore, though, is probably having McLeod out there early just because you don't want to throw Nick Cross into it. By Nick Cross being so raw, you know, he's only 20 years old. He he needs more experience within his system. He needs to see things. I think early on, you want to keep things real basic, real vanilla for him so you can allow him to play fast. The more you have him processing out there is when he's going to get caught up and when he's going to give up plays and when he's going to get beat because you don't want him thinking while he's out there. You want him just playing, reading and reacting really quickly. And that's something McLeod's going to excel in, uh, right out the gate. I like the fact that he can play in the box or he can play over the top. I spoke about last week having both of our safeties be interchangeable. And though we're losing a great player with Kyrie, that was the knock that we had. We pretty much was forced into playing Kyrie some, to his strength, which was in the box and a guy that was playing around the line of scrimmage. He was one of the best in the league at that at that safety position. But you couldn't really put him at center field. We saw when, when Julian Blackman got hurt and we was forced to play carry that way. It wasn't his strong suit. So now we got a guy like McLeod who excels in that. I think you can play him or Blackman as the guy on the post or playing a hash. And you could put either one of those guys around the line of scrimmage and expect those guys to succeed early. But I do think maybe around midseason toward the later half of the season, you're going to see Nick Cross take that spot just because the talent is too undeniable to keep him down for long he, he's a special physical prospect, you know, like he's not one of those guys that come around very often physically. And if he can get catch up mentally with his physical skills, he's going to be exceptional and it's going to be hard to keep him off the field for long. Yeah. I mean, if you just go back and just kind of look through the safeties that Gus Bradley has excelled with, like Nick Cross is just a prototype to just plug and play in that. That's why when the trade up happened and the pick happens, it just makes so much sense. Um, there was a lot of talk already about that. Maybe cross was going to be able to take that spot from Kari somewhat point in the season. And now just looking at, it, I mean, it just kind of depends on what they want to do. I could see them throwing cross maybe into that like box role early, just cause it's going to take a little less preparation, a little less, poised um nature from cross early on um to play in the box right away um whereas they can use mcleod's experience they can use that vet um, mentality that he holds to be able to put him on the back end with blackman at first 
Um, but they're, they're going to have so many different options. I mean, Blackman and McLeod have both filled in on both sides already um, in their careers. Um, McLeod in Philadelphia, obviously, and Blackman in his short time in India already has played both sides. So it's just really going to be about how they want to utilize it. Um, I think Cross is going to end up being way too dynamic to not be back on the back end. It's just about like how long um, he is going to take to push open that door. Um, for me, whether it's week one, whether it's week eight, like who knows, but I think he's, they're going to find ways for him to be on the field either way. I, I agree. I think, uh, I think you roll into week one with maybe Rodney, uh, not Rodney. <coughs> oh, sorry. With uh, Rodney McLeod. And I mean, the, the veteran leadership and all that, I mean, why not? Like just give the veteran his tip of the hat. You're the week one starter. But again, it, it's really about what goes on for the 60, 65 snaps on defense because how many snaps is Nick Cross going to get versus Rodney McLeod? I, I, I don't know. But it, getting away from those two, it, it does make me think a little bit because after the draft, I did talk about him a little bit. And I, I'm looking here at Rodney Thomas II, 6'1", 196 pounds. We drafted him from Yale. He's listed on the site as a DB. And there are other guys who are specifically listed as a corner, as a safety. Rodney is listed as a DB, which basically means they don't know what they're going to do with him yet. I wonder if this opens up a spot, not a starting spot, not, not, not that spot. Does this open up a backup spot for him to try and test them out in training camp and in preseason, because I am interested about that. I do like him a lot. Went back and watched his Yale tape a lot. I think, of course, he's incredibly, incredibly raw, but development, he's got the traits already, the physical tools. He's got the hip uh, flip, flipping of the hips. He's got the strength, the agility, the speed. I just want to see a little bit more development there. I, I don't know when. Kari Willis retired. It wasn't Rodney McLeod. It wasn't. Nick Cross that popped in my head, it was Rodney Thomas. That's who it was. Because, again, after the draft, I did say I like him. Could this be a little special teams player development type guy? Who knows? I want to see where that goes. But in terms of, you know, starter spot, Rodney McLeod, Nick Cross, at this point, I really don't give a damn. All right, my other son on defense left uh, to pursue his dream. So, and by the way, he didn't take the job either, so they got it by default. Anything <laughs> other, any other remarks on the safety room, Rashad and Destin? Nah, I pretty much covered everything I felt about it. Uh, right, and just to touch on your Rodney Thomas point real quick, I think he's a long way off from actually contributing. Uh, he, he just screams practice squad to me. Like you said, the physical attributes are there, but it's just a long way as far as the competition he played and the experience factor. Uh, practice squad, for sure. Yeah, I, I think his better chance at making the roster is probably at corner um, just because of the length and just kind of looking down the depth chart at corner right now. If I think if he was going to make the roster, it'd be at corner. And that really he would need to show something on the special team side if he wants to make that roster for sure. And we are moving on now. This, this segment is going to get good because we're going to talk about which rookies have a shot. We're, we're dialing in on rookies here. Which rookies have a shot at 
legitimately starting week one. And we're only looking at three players, Alec Pierce, Jelani Woods, and we are also looking at Nick Cross. Okay, those are the only three legitimate spots, players that can actually win a job here. So I'm going to start, you know, we're already on the safety room. Let, let's continue with it. Nick Cross, Rashad, I'll start with you, man. Nick, Nick Cross, can, can he get that starting job week one? What would it I take for him? What would it take for him to get that job week one? Okay. Um, it would just take for him to show real, real knowledge. It's a mental thing with Nick Cross, and, and it's going to be a mental thing for him to get on the field. If he's able to process uh, at the elite level, like figure out uh, alignments, route distributions, and, and things like that, then I think he has a chance to get on the field early. Uh, the physical capabilities is there. Like I said, he's a special type of athlete. You just don't see a guy that big, that fast, you know, that can hit and cover as well. So I, I think it's going to be all mental for him. If he show in training camp that he's locked in and in preseason has a couple of good showings, I think it's possible, man. I think it's a door doorway to that because we know that Gus likes to use three safeties as well. So it will definitely be an opportunity there for him. And maybe who knows, you know, they, they, they find a role for him. It's, it's kind of like a rover, a guy, a guy to use in a slot as well. Sometimes it's just a guy that's pretty much a star in, in the defenses. I think that's a slot that he can have right out the gate if mentally he's prepared. Yeah, for me, I think there's going to be multiple things to watch here in training camp. Um, Blackman's recovery um, is going to be one that I think is important to watch. Um, because, I mean, God forbid there's a setback. God forbid once we're running full on with pads, he just doesn't feel 100% ready because, again, he shouldn't be 100% ready yet, but he's operating as if he right. is already. So we hit training camp, pads get put on, we're running full force. We're going to kind of see where Blackman actually is, and maybe he is 100%. Maybe this dude is just Superman. Who knows? But Black Blackman's recovery is one aspect that I think is going to be important here. Then the other element that's going to be working in Cross's favor is, again, like his athleticism, his ability that you see in college, like Gus is going to want him on the field. If he's going to, if he's going to be able to pick a defense quicker than expected, like it's just going to be hard for – just looking at how Gus has operated with safeties over, the, over his career, like I can just see that he's licking his lips at the chance – to put cross on the field. So all cross needs to do is give him a reason. <laughs> I think, you know, integrating Julian Blackman into, into this decision was going to be my path to go down because what Nick cross has to do to get a starting job is just don't perform bad in the tra in training camp, because realistically is Julian Blackman going to be out there week one? Probably not. So you're probably looking at Rodney McLeod and Nick cross being your starting safeties week one. So just to make sure you don't get jumped by anybody, just know what you're doing in training camp. Right now is the time. You see Kari Willis, you're already supposed to be at a level after OTAs. Now that Kari Willis has stepped away, you turn that up another notch. Now, now you're studying the same play 10 times instead of five. You're calling Ron Miles five times in a day instead of three. Like whatever the case, however a player – Whatever his agenda, whatever his plan is to get better, Nick Cross should be stepping that up times three. So as long as he knows what he's doing, he's definitely going to be out there week one. Probably, maybe by default, because Willis and Blackman won't be out there week one. But 
That's definitely de- incredibly likely. All right. All I'm a, eyes if on I'm a bad, if, if I'm a betting man, though, I bet Julian Blackman be out there. I just really think that. Hey, man, he's got the heart of a warrior. He recovers. That's what yeah. that, that's what happens. Next up, we're going to talk about Alec Pierce. All right. Drafted out of Cincinnati. Um, what does he need to do to be a starter week one? Well, I don't think it's really that much of a tall task. Be better than Ashton Doolin. That's be better than Ashton Doolin. Basically, that's clear, cut, and dry. Be better than Ashton Doolin. Destin, what you got for me? Yeah, I mean, I think what he needs to do is have two working legs, two working hands, um, and a functioning brain, basically. I mean, they you don't take this guy in round two with how this receiver room looks without making a free agency free agent acquisition right now. Um, and if they add another guy, like that, that answer changes. But right now, looking at the roster, I just don't see a way that Pierce isn't out there as a top three receiver on this team. Um, the only things I've heard from multiple people at camp is that he's flying around, he's making plays already, he's worked with the ones, he's worked with the twos, and he hasn't missed a beat, whether it's with Foles or Ryan. That's a good – that is a good sign to me, hearing that he's been able to succeed with Foles, he's been able to succeed with Ryan on the field, um, because the big thing is – that sometimes when you get into camp, you'll see guys struggling with lesser quarterback play. And when you get into the real league, in the real league and the real plays, the defense is trying to knock your head off. These guys in camp right now, they're trying to make plays, but no one's trying to hit Alec Pierce at 110%. So him being able to succeed with Nick Foles just kind of shows me that he may have a better chance at playing well early. Um, so I think Alec Pierce is going to be the starter. Like of any of the guys on the roster, um, he would have the highest percent chance, and it's probably at like a 96 for me. Uh, what he need to do is walk up to Chris Ballard's office and tell Chris Ballard, stay off the phone. I'm good. I got this. I got us. Frank, put your trust in me. We don't need to bring anybody in. We got what we need right here in this locker room already. He needs to go to Reggie Wayne and tell Reggie Wayne, look, man, talk to Frank. Let him know I am ready for the responsibility. I'm ready to accept the challenge, and I'm ready to take on this task and prove to this organization that I can be what y'all want me to be right out of the gate. So that's pretty much it. Because, I mean, as of right now, the way this current roster is constructed, he is the number two wide receiver on this roster. And I know it's sad to say because we have a second-round pick from three years ago that should be that, but due to the fact that he's unable to stay on the field and and stay healthy, which he is now, and and, and I'm sure he'll challenge. But he'll be – either way, it'll still be a starting spot. We start three receivers. uh, It'll be those three guys. You know, if they're all healthy, it'll it'll, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Ashton Doolin will be be the fourth option, in my opinion – and, you know, his special teams is the reason he's here. He was forced to play last year just due to us sucking at wide receiver. So that's pretty much what it is. Alec Pierce is a definitely be, I'm going to put it at 90, 98, 99%, something like that. All right. <laughs> and your point to Paris Campbell, Rashad, I mean, even in terms of his route tree, we still don't know what his strength is. We we still don't know I- I- anything about that. So questions still reside about Paris. Uh, obviously, we're all knocking on wood for him to 
to be healthy. But until then, Alec Pierce is your number two, and he is your starter right now. So next up is the tight end position. Jelani Woods. Man, I love I, I love this addition uh, a lot. So Jelani Woods. <sighs> let, me, let, let, let me start this one off. So I think already he is the best pass catcher in the room. I've said that immediately after he was drafted. He's already the best pass catcher in the room. But is that enough to overtake Moali Cox for the starting position? Moali Cox already knows the system. He's already been here for multiple years. He's, you know, built that chemistry a little bit more with Matt Ryan, uh, Nick Foles. He's going to be taking on what Jack Doyle has been doing and maybe he is a little bit more than jack so can he have more success than jack did possibly but also as a blocker he is a very good blocker and already by now he just knows where he's going he knows what he's doing hopefully i don't think that's enough just being the best pass catcher i don't think that's enough to beat out moali cox because knowing where you're going being a, a, a a very good blocker and being able to be be a decent pass catcher is enough in my eyes to give you this starting spot in this room particularly. So I would have to say Jelani Woods, unfortunately, is not going to win this starting job. But again, I would not be surprised if he has more catches than Moale Cox in 2022. So just to like get a full answer from you and then me and Rashad can talk. So Reich's going to use two tight ends in pretty much like a starter capacity. Um, so, like, do you, in your opinion, do you think Woods grabs that tight end two spot then? Yes, he'll grab the tight end two spot. From day one? Oh, I don't know. I think they still got some plans for Kylan. Uh, for a rookie, it's tough to say just from day one. I got to see, you know, what's going from training camp to preseason to end the season. But right now, I think he'll earn it somewhere between week four and week eight, that number two. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Um, I think we, we, we've talked about it. tight end is one of has just one of the worst track records at early success in the NFL. Um, there's just a lot of things tight ends are asked to do. And a lot of the times when they come in, they kind of struggle to learn all that aspects early. We saw it last year. They, they mixed Granson in here and there, but it was hard for him to get on the field at a consistent basis. Um, I think this year they're going to try to utilize him. Um, I had heard that there was some drops that were going on already in training camp that are a concern there. Um, but I had heard that he has picked up the playbook pretty nicely this upcoming year, um, and they like him as a person. Um, so I really do think Granson's a guy they want to have on the field. The aspect where I think we'll kind of see Jelani Woods and Drew Ogletree, um, and I'm, I know Rashad's going to have a little bit more to talk about there, but um, Ogletree's a guy that they like that they've seen in camp as well. And I think a lot of their early on roles are going to be in the red zone um, because they love the idea of how many big bodies they're going to have. Um, they're really going to love all these guys they have and all these options in the red zone. I mean, we're, we're going to have big bodies, man. We're going to throw it up. We haven't seen that in years. Um, so I, I'm not going to count that as a starter position, um, but I do think if he can get a consistent red zone role, that is a success for his rookie year, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, in this scenario, I'm only going to count uh, one tight end as, as starting in this scenario. I'm talking 11 personnel. That's uh, three wide receivers, you know, one tight end, 
on the field, one running back, of course. Um, so I'm going to say that's that's going to be Moelle Cox for sure. And like Dustin alluded to, you're going to see them a lot in the red zone, Ogletree and Woods. They'll be, they'll be interchangeable pretty much, you know, as far as being big body guys that like to go up in traffic and get the ball. But another time you're going to see them is in two tight end sets, you know, 12 personnel. That's what you like to see. Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox both on the field at the same time last year. Coach run it a lot. And so you're going to need somebody to fill that Jack Doyle role as far as a blocker. And that's where I think Jelani Woods has the edge on somebody like Colin Granson. You know, it's pretty specific, a specific role and a specific time that you have Granson on the field. You know, he, he's not a plus blocker he's kind of a guy he's a, he's a willing blocker but he's just not a guy that's going to really give you an advantage in that department so a lot of times you're going to want to put a better blocker on the field you have two good blockers one on each edge and, and, and you want to get the run game established that's when you want to really pound the team that you feel like you can dominate in the trenches you just throw two tight ends out there big body guys and Moelle Cox and Jelani Woods being on the field at the same time is, is, a, is a matchup problem you know you don't necessarily have to run the ball in those situations. You get a play action and get those big guys moving up the field. We saw that those guys, when they get the ball on time, in stride, can make plays and can run after the catch, something that we rarely see Moelle Cox do last year due to Carson Wentz, uh, quarterback. But if he's put in the right situations and gets the ball pretty early and accurate, he can make some plays with the ball in his hands. Woods showed it throughout college. So, I think that'll be a plus for them, but I won't say any of the tight ends starting. I think uh, Moelle Cox has that spot pretty much solidified, and I think passing situations, the first option would probably be Colin Grant. Yeah, I look at another guy like, obviously, uh, Drew Ogletree, and, you know, there's just a lot of rawness there, a lot of rawness there, but crazy athleticism, crazy traits. But, again, how much playing time is he going to get? Uh for, for Mo, I, I do want to talk about Mo. Th- this is a big year for him. I mean, goodness gracious, how many more years are we going to keep doing this? Molly Cox, Molly Cox, Molly Cox, Molly Cox. How many more years, right? But this year is the guy that I really feel good about his quarterback situation. Th- this is the first year that I feel really good about where Mo is and how he's developed and who's going to be throwing him the football. I feel good about that so can Mo take it up another level and obviously Matt is going to help him take that next step mm-hmm. I would definitely I'm intri- I'm intrigued by this because yes I do harp on Mo's issues a lot fumbling drops running the wrong routes whatever the case may be but he has a guy who's holding him accountable every single play who is helping him get better every single play help him understand where the soft spots in the zone are. That's my bit. I think that's where Matt Ryan is going to help Mo Cox excel because you already know who's going to be outside Michael Pittman Jr. That's going to leave some soft spots in the zone as a tight end. And that's what makes Travis Kelsey so great because he knows how to identify those spots and the chemistry he has with Patrick is important too. So I am intrigued this year Five for the first year out of the past four that fans have been clamoring about Moali Cox. This is the first year that I'm actually truly, truly engaged in what is going on uh, with Moali Cox and, uh, and his development. So next 
next is the left tackle position. All right. Uh, Rashad, let me let me get you uh, first here. Then we'll go to Destin and then me. Uh, Bernard Ryman drafted out of Central Michigan in the third round. Uh, You know, he's a rookie. It's going to happen in every fan base. All the fans want to want to see him play. Uh, but what what do you think his chances are at starting uh, week one? Oh, okay. Uh, I'll keep mine brief because I know you guys are on opposite sides of the spectrum on this one. But if I had to place a percentage on it, I would give him about a 40% shot. Maybe, but, well, yeah, about 40. About a 40% shot. I'm going Matt Pryor with 60%. Just because of the experience factor. We saw uh, Pryor in spot duty last year, and, and he was pretty good. And then I think the most important thing is is Ballard give him, gave him, giving him his word that he'd get first crack at it. And I just don't think he's going to be that terrible in training camp or in a few preseason snaps bad enough for him to lose his job or anything like that. So I think come week one is pretty safe bet unless something catastrophic happens and Matt Pryor just sucks or, or injury or something along those lines. I think he'd be pretty safely cemented in that spot, at least for week one. That's what I'm going to say. Ho, 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 ho. I believe Bernard Raymond, Ryman, apologize. And we've been corrected in the past on how to pronounce his name, Ryman. I believe. Going to bat for a guy who can't even get his name right. Come on now. Um, says the guy who mispronounced our own interview on on air, but we don't have to go there. Um, but okay. I oh Kara K. But I believe Ryman is going to come in and win the job in training camp. Um, the reason I see this is because honestly, I think long term Pryor's role for the Colts makes the most sense to be that swing tackle who can also play in at guard and fill in so many spots as that sixth lineman. And if you put him in at left tackle and he succeeds in any form of way and you push away and push off the Ryman starting role where I think Ryman's just natural talent um, for the position is just going to end up taking it to where if you push that off, and have to put him in later, you're going to lose prior in the long term anyways, and you're not going to be able to use him in this role that I think he is going to be one that can help the Colts in. Um, we, we've seen the Colts lose that lineman that was so important in that sixth spot over the last few years. Joe Haig was a big help for the Colts as that sixth lineman aspect. And that's what I feel like prior can be long term for the Colts if they allow that. And I just feel like in camp, they're going to get there. And I think Pryor is a fine tackle option. Like, I don't think there is anything wrong with him as a person. And I don't think he is necessarily going to be something that loses the job. I just think we're going to get to camp and Ryman's natural talent is going to win it out. Um, because I just think overall he has that where Pryor does not. Okay. So basically a lot of what I've been hearing on Twitter, uh, this conversation is going to be different because instead of talking hypotheticals, I want to get to the meat and potatoes of everything. That's what I want to get to. Because when I keep hearing talent, Bernard, talent, Bernard, talent, Bernard, what is he better at? 
than Matt Pryor because that I, I have yet to be told what he is better at than Matt Pryor because uh, again, I'll, I'll present my side. Matt Pryor came in last year and re- regardless of what people still want to hold on to of what happened in Philadelphia, he came to Indianapolis and regardless of what spot he played at, he played very well at every single spot. And like ju- you, what you just said, Destin, you think that's his best role. I'm not even going to argue that. That probably is his best role. But, but still, as a tackle, whether if it was the left or the right, he performed well and didn't give up much pressure. This is a guy who played some pretty good pass rushers in this league. And then I go to a guy who is a 25-year-old rookie, mind you, not 21, 25. And that's not really his, his fault. Came over, got into football a little bit later. Not entirely his fault. The COVID years, the super seniors, all that stuff, extra eligibility. 25 years old. But you're, you're telling me Ryman can be the starter. Matt Pryor can be the swing. What if I told you Matt Pryor can be the starter? Ryman can be the swing. Because, again, I haven't been told what is Ryman better at. I mean, like, like I've said so many times, if we get to camp and Ryman out straight, straight up just beats him, Okay, I just want someone who will protect Matt Ryan. That's what I want. But again, Matt Pryor has shown me more than Ryman because we go back. I can't pull it up now, but I've gone back to watch Ryman's tape. It's good, but who has he faced? Nobody. Nobody he's faced has gotten drafted. Nobody he's faced is going to get drafted. So, again, I don't want to get into hypotheticals. I want to be told what is Ryman better at than Matt Pryor. Um, Personally, I think the aspect of it that will end up teetering it to Ryman is in the past game, um, because I do believe that we are going to have a more balanced run to pass attack this year. I think it'll be more of like a 60 40. Whereas last year, I think we operated in a 70 30 on an average week. And then there were all obviously weeks where we, uh, operated in like a 90 10 um if you go back and watch buffalo and you go watch new england um so i think the aspect of it is that i think ryman is going to be a better pure pass blocker i think last year prior was okay in the past game i think where he excelled was the run game um because of how big of a body he is and that natural guard element to his game um to where when he made the switch to tackle he was able to excel in the run game whereas in the past game i do think he was better than eric fisher last year but i still think you had to you saw him have to over overcompensate off the line um with that very long jump back in priors game in the past game and i think with the older quarterback play in you know, matt ryan who we, we've talked about is not immobile um but that element to me is where i'm gonna want to lean towards the better pass blocker personally and that's where i believe ryman excels but my thing is now, now, first off, thank you for finally giving me something to, to work with finally, instead of just, oh, I just see him starting week one because he's better. No, that's not what we do here on the blue stable. I hear you on that. Is he the better pass blocker? Probably his feet are, he has very light feet. He has great footwork. The technique of it all is good. But again, that goes back to my point. He's had nobody to challenge his technique, which is why I think very early on, he might get destroyed early in the league. That doesn't mean in year two he can build up muscle and be much better. But year one, at his size, at his strength, I don't see him just being a better pass blocker than Matt Pryor because he has the strength 
to fight those other guys. And it's not always about strength. Guys can get around you who, who are weaker than Matt Pryor. But, but again, I fear for Bernard because of how overpowered he can get. And sometimes in this league, in, in college, technique can over, overtake strength. But in the NFL, this is grown men stuff. There ain't no more 18-year-olds here anymore. He is going to get driven through. That's how, how I see it. How I see it now, we got to get to training camp first. So how does he perform against Quiddy, against Yannick, will tell us a lot, honestly. Because, again, I'm all ears. I, I want to see the best left tackle. But I can't just be told, oh, because Ryman's better. I, I can't be told that. Is he better technique at left tackle? I would agree. Does he have better feet? I would agree. Technique? I would agree. Definitely. But Matt Pryor's just pure strength help him out, helps him out a lot in this scenario where I, I agree with Ballard, he will get first crack at the, at the job. Now, does that mean he'll get first crack week one or first week of training camp? That's I'll go with first week of training camp, but uh, again, I just, I got to see it to believe it, to, to believe that a guy is just going to walk into the NFL who didn't face too much competition in college for four years and just walk in and take a starting job. I, I have to see it to believe it personally that's that's on my side hey i get it and, you, and you're and you're gonna see it hey man <laughs> I, want, I want the best guy who's gonna protect my, my matt Pryor, okay or matt ryan sorry matt ryan i want the guy who protects matt ryan the most so guys if you think otherwise about any of these rookies let us know down in the comment section below okay this is the blue stable podcast whatever thoughts you have about kari the safety room any of these rookies who you think can win a starting job, let us know down in the comments below and make sure to subscribe if you want to help us grow, ladies and gentlemen. So now it's time to continue the positional rankings, which is going to be featuring running backs and interior defense of linemen. Okay, so who wants to go for who wants to start it off? Who wants to start the craziness off? You know what? If I go Rashad, first, if, if I go first for running backs, can I go last for defensive linemen? Uh, I don't know, man. I think we're going to confuse the viewers here. You know what? How about you want me to just go first? I can go first. <laughs> let's go, Destin. Let's go, Rashad. And then let's go me. All right. For running backs. Um, so we're going to do it similar to how we've done it every other week, I'm assuming. So we'll start from one and go to 15. I'll give my entire list, and you guys can roast me afterwards. Um, I'm sure I'll have some people turn the podcast off here at one. Um, I'm going to go Derek Henry at one still, um, just off of pure production and what um, his workload is going to look like. Um, because I just think Tennessee is still going to ride a heavy workload on him. And if he's able to do that in a healthy manner, we only saw it one year so far where he wasn't able to. So I'm going to keep him at one until I see it again. Hey, I knew, I, like I said, I'm sure some people turned it off. At uh, two. all I, at two, Before you continue, Destin, turn your phone off for the entirety of the week. Okay. Just turn <laughs> yeah. your phone off. I'll say I'll have to mute everything, but at two, <laughs> I got our boy, Jonathan Taylor last year's rushing leader um, stud. Um, I think he's the most talented running back in the NFL already um, on just on what he's able to do at every element at the position. But um, because of the production element, I have to give Henry the one going into the year at three. I'm going to go Nick Chubb when Nick Chubb's healthy. He's just so special in the pass game in the running game, running between the tackles, 
kicking it outside. He's does so much for that Browns team where I have him at three. At four, this is going to be a little higher than I bet you guys have him, but I have Joe Mixon. Um, I think we finally saw Joe Mixon stay at a consistent rate last year, and I think it was a big element in that offense um, to the point where I trust him a little bit more, especially health-wise, over these next three guys, next four guys that I think have enough to make it a pattern now. At five, I have Dalvin Cook. Dalvin, when he's healthy, is just so dynamic in both elements of the game. At six, I have Alvin Kamara for a similar reason, um, just because he's able to do so many things on both sides of the ball. Let's hope he doesn't get suspended for the old knocking a dude out in the bar in uh, Vegas thing. <laughs> At seven, I have Christian McCaffrey, who, when healthy, looked like a different kind of animal in the passing game than we've seen in a long time for a running back, but needs to show that he can stay healthy to be higher for me. At eight, I have Saquon Barkley for a similar reason. The dude just looked like an animal when healthy, but there's enough elements here for me to question whether or not he can stay healthy. At nine, I have one of the young bucks in the league with Najee Harris out of Pittsburgh. Um, I really like his game, and I think his workload's going to increase this next year. Um, so I have him at nine behind a better what should be a better offensive line. At 10, I have David Montgomery um, for Chicago. Um, I, I like me some David Montgomery. I think he runs hard. I think he has that grit to him into his game. And hopefully their offensive line is a little bit better. And hopefully the offense is called a little bit better this year for him. At 11, I have Josh Jacobs out of Vegas. Um, like his game a lot when he's out there. I think he has done a lot no matter which offensive line's out there. Um, Injury-wise, I think he just shows up when he's there. At 12, I have Austin Eckler um, for the Chargers. Um, I just think in the passing game, he, he offers such a big element for them. So I have Austin Eckler there at 12. At 13, at 13, I have Aaron Jones. Um, Aaron Jones, again, is a guy who I think offers a ton in the passing game, even if I think uh, A.J. Dillon's going to end up taking the spot eventually. I think Aaron Jones is still talented. And I think Devontae Adams leaving is actually going to help him. Well, well, hold on. Before you continue, Rashad, we need to put his feet to the fire. You said last year A.J. Dillon was going to take Aaron Jones's job. Well, hey, we also discussed last year, and it got nixed because we said if they both stayed healthy and there was situations that kind of caused that oh to not happen. Oh, my god! That was a part of it. That was a part. Rashad, was that not a part of it last year? It was a part of it. See, Rashad, it that, gonna, that's what Destin likes happen. to do, that he likes to put in the little details, you know, that way he has a backdoor out when he's proven wrong. He really I, wanted I'm to just, come out and say outright A.J. Dillon would get it, but he had to put in the little details. Hey, you know? I, I, I do like A.J. Dillon's game, and I think they like him too. Um, but I have a, for but, I, but I have Aaron Jones there at 13 at 14. I have a guy who if he could ever get back to what he used to be and consistently, I mean, the guy's a stud, but at 14, I have Ezekiel Elliott. Um, dude is just so inconsistent. He's got a guy on his coattails right now, like pulling at him because he wants this chance with Tony Pollard. Um, and I just think there's arguments to be made for Pollard to have even a bigger role if Zeke can't step up. And at 15, I have another young buck in the league with Javante Williams. Um, I, re I really like his game. Um, I really wanted to have him higher. Melvin Gordon re-signing kind of hurt the, the stock for him a little bit for me on whether or not what his workload's going to look like. I do think Russ will help him in the passing game a little bit. Um, and I just, I like how Javante plays. I think he runs hard. I think he 
hits inside the tackles well. I think he was able to bounce outside at a good rate. And I think he will be the starter, even though Gordon's back. Okay, Rashad, I think we need to hear this once again for confirmation. Destin, you have Austin Eckler where? I have Austin Eckler at 12. All right. Okay. And you will not speak for the remainder of this podcast. All right, Rashad. That is great. You have Saquon Barkley ahead of Austin Eckler? Um, I mean, out of a pure best running back situation, I also think Eckler, his biggest struggle is the same as staying healthy. And I just think when both are at full health, I think Barkley is better. So when I have the same questions for both, like I'm going to judge them accurately because of that. Even if I think Eckler may stay more healthy. That's what I was about to say. I was about to say, you can't put it on the same scale because what is hurt way more than us. (laughs) <laughs> One's been hurt more often. I, I just think last year, if you look at it in a, in a sense, like I think both like lingered very often. And I'm just really questioning if Eckler can even hold that same workload that a guy like Barkley can, like a guy like McCaffrey can. And even again, they're all, they all struggle with injuries. So they all kind of dropped a little bit for me. But when it came to them, I just kind of wanted to weigh when all of those guys are healthy that do deal with injuries, where would I put those guys? Because that, that you had Saquon at? What was Saquon? At eight. Huh. Eckler was at 12. Wow. It basically just came into the fact that I I really like the young guy because the three that are ahead of Eckler for me after Barkley are Najee, Montgomery, and Jacobs. Whoa. Um, like I, I like all three of those guys. I think all three of those guys are going to be in an improved situation that they've been in recently. So that kind of helped it to there. Whereas I think Eckler isn't going to even be asked to do as much as he has in the past because of that injury situation. Also, I just think they're going to be a way pass heavier team um, in a sense. But that's his strength too, though. That's yeah. one of his strengths. Uh, I agree. A pass he's one of the best team. in the league. At yeah. He's one of, he's a top five receiving back in the NFL. Like, Wait, okay. Especially, especially workload in it. So I, I like yeah. Eckler. I do. I like Eckler. It just comes down to if I was making it my team right now and had to pick a running back, I would take those 11 guys over. him. So, did you have Alvin Kamara on your list? Yeah, he was at six. Yes. Okay, okay. Not Spoiler alert, Barkley's not on my list at all. Really? Yeah. Is it just because he was just injured too much? It's because he has 540 yards in the last two years. Okay. I'm, hey, I'm not get mad it. at it. I, I'm and, not mad and at injur- it. And injuries have, and injuries have hindered that for him. I agree. It's just yeah. I think at the end of the year, we kind of saw a little bit of what Barkley can be when healthy again. And so I'm just letting that roll into this year. And I believe that offensive line is going to be improved. That that was the big thing for a lot of these guys with injuries too. Like I, I like for these guys that are above Eckler, like I think Barkley's offensive line will look better than last year. I think Najee's mm-hmm. offensive line is going to be significantly better than it was last year. I think Montgomery's offensive line is not going to be as good as those two guys offensive line, but better. And I think he ran better than Eckler last year. Yeah, I think he ran, but but the gap is so far to me as far as receiving aspect is why I have Eckler over those guys. You know, none of those guys are really threats like that in the passing game. Josh Jacobs is – I hate him in the passing game. Like, I, I, I don't like his receiving ability. Either. Well, let's get to my list. I don't want to yeah, talk to right. you. Right. <laughs> um, number one is – Destin, I can't believe you had Derrick Henry. What? He chose to tell it. John, he did. It, it's going to be a ride on the, on the timeline tomorrow. Or maybe tonight if I decide to go up and start it. But um, I have Jonathan Taylor. Uh, like you say, it's really a push between Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. What gave Jonathan Taylor the edge for me was the receiving aspect, the fact that he's a, a, a much better receiver than 
Derrick Henry, who who rarely gives you anything in the receiving game. But Der- let's not be fooled here. If Derrick Henry gets back to 100% as performing at the level that he was prior to his injury, he he's easily can be the top back on this list. So obviously Derrick Henry's my number two if Jonathan Taylor's my number one. Nick Chubb is my number three, a guy that I think is very underrated. And if he wasn't sharing the rock with Kareem Hunt, he'd be right up here with Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry, in my opinion. I think he's that talented of runner, a guy with speed and power and great vision as well. Um, number four is, is Delvin Cook. I, I love Delvin Cook personally. A, as a runner, a smaller guy with a smaller frame, but still runs in between the tackles really well, has the vision, has, has great speed. Um, does does a lot in the in the receiving game. It's a good screen. He, he catches screens. Has great visions for that. Sets up his blocks well. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dalvin Cook. Uh, number five is Christian McCaffrey, and this is just really because he can't stay healthy, in my opinion. Uh, these last two years has been absolutely brutal for him. Right after it seemed like he got paid. He, he took a drop. He just he started getting injured, and the injuries started piling up, which was odd because he was extremely healthy the years before that, and, and it just seems like it's catching up with him right now. Uh, in that same vein, uh, number six is another receiving back, uh, Elvin Kamara, uh, just a guy that's that's talented, dual-threat dual type of back. Uh, I don't like him as much as I like some of those other guys in between the tackles. I think he, he, he bounces everything uh, to the outside pretty much. But in the receiving game, what he can do is is – not matched by many, you know, he, he's just a mismatch, a walking mismatch every time he's on the field, the balance, the speed, uh, he's just an amazing running back. Uh, number seven is Joe Mixon for the reasons that, that Destin gave, uh, I believe he took a step this year. He is a talented, talented back. And I think this is the first time you're seeing him not have to carry the offense as a whole. And he's seeing less lighter, the lightest boxes of his life because he's been running into to eight man fronts pretty much his whole career up until last season. And, and I think you got to see what he can do once you spread things out a little bit. Uh, Joe Mixon, a tough guy. I, I love his game. My number eight is that yeah, number eight is Aaron Jones. I love Aaron Jones. I'm a big Aaron Jones guy. What he can do in a run game, what he can do in a pass game. Uh, uh, it worries me. Seeing him get injured, get banged up a little bit last year. I'm not sure if he can take that pounding. He doesn't really have to now that he has A.J. Dillon, a guy that's more of a bruiser, a bigger physical back. That That's a guy that can take most of the punishment. You use Aaron Jones in those passing situations and get him some matchups, it, especially with no receivers that, that Green Bay has currently on their roster. Aaron Jones is going to be a big part of their receiving game if they're going to have a receiving game. My number nine is Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler's my number nine. For the reasons we talked about already, I won't even go over that. We, we discussed Austin Eckler already. Number 10, rounding out my top 10, is Najee Harris. Uh, staying consistent with, with my theme from last week. You know, if you do it once, I, I got to put you on the list, but I can't put you too high because I've only seen you do it one time. But Najee Harris is a guy that can easily move into my top five, top six, if he has another year like he just had especially running behind that Pittsburgh O-line. Now, he got a lot of touches. He did. He did get a lot of carries. But running behind that offensive line in Pittsburgh, he should get credit for that. And he still grinded out 1,200 yards. So my number 11 is Antonio Gibson. I know I might be higher on this guy than a lot of people, but I think 
he is one of the most talented backs in the NFL, a guy that when used to his strengths can be a dynamic weapon in the passing game. He's a guy that that's learning how to run between the tackles because he wasn't a traditional runner coming out of college. He's a guy that's really been learning the position as these years have been going on. I, I think the sky's the limit. If you could just get a good offensive system, a quarterback with some weapons around him to take away some of those boxes, make lighten up those boxes for him. I think he can be a real asset. I don't know if he's going to get that this year with Carson Wentz, but we'll see. Uh, my number 12 is Ezekiel Elliott. Discussed him about getting back to what he used to be. He's literally on this on this list for nostalgia purposes, like a guy that because what he's showing me the last year or two, he doesn't actually deserve to be on this list. But at the top of his game, I, I just have trouble letting that that vision go of how good he used to be. And, and I'm just wondering if he can get back to that. Um, Bro, number 30, you, this man yeah. said nostalgia purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm being honest, man, because I mean, what? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> 13, 13 is uh, Josh Jacobs, a, a very underrated running back. I, I think he's very underrated, doesn't get the credit he deserves, just consistently goes out there and gets a thousand yards, even in an offense that, that lacked receiving threats. You know, when Hunter Renfro was your number one receiver. It, it, it's bad. Yeah, I know they have Darren Waller at tight end, but who's not a traditional blocker, by the way. So Josh Jacob has to go out there and earn every single yard that he gets out there. I love his game. Number 14, physical guy, David Montgomery, ran behind trash last year. Absolutely. <laughs> he literally earned every yard that he got. And, and I had him on my fantasy team, so I was forced to – to keep up with him. And he was consistently producing, man, in tough, tough games, games where it was getting blown out. You know, he had to find ways to be productive. He even caught, he even did some in the passing game. And, and the thing that, that doesn't get talked about much on here, he's great in pass protection, something that's big for, for running backs. And, and a quick way for you to get on the field is blitz pickups and pass protections in general. Uh, David Montgomery is exceeds in that. And my number 15 is same as, Destin, I was surprised you picked that. Javante Williams, a guy that's on the brink of being a top back in the NFL. I think he has that type of potential. He scraped 900 yards, splitting carries with Melvin Gordon as a rookie. Uh, that guy is really, really talented. And I think in a different system, well, probably this system now that Russ is entering the fold, I think that's going to do wonders for him. But Melvin Gordon coming back, it's kind of like, oh, my God, what are you doing? You're just taking touches away from a potential playmaker. But that's my list, one through 15. So so I'm still I'm still on that. I, I don't I never thought I'd hear this out of out of Rashad's mouth. He put a player in his top 15 rankings because of nostalgia. I did, man. That is I crazy. I mean, that it definitely holds an element of why he probably ended up in mine because I mean, he still even had flashes last year. Like you can't say you watched the entire season and, yeah. and Zeke doesn't show that talent still. It's just overall, he can't put a consistent tape together because he can have runs where he just looks special and he makes defenders look silly again. And he looks like that Zeke that's jumping in the Salvation Army uh pot all over again he looks like that Zeke at times but then there are times where he's unplayable where he's a guy that can't get through the hole he can't find it he and Tony Pollard has to come in and Tony Pollard does more with his touches on the on a less 
stunt. Now, the guy that you had on your list that I didn't was Gibson. Um, I like Gibson. The reason he doesn't end up on my 15, he teetered for me last year because he's just a very inconsistent runner of the football. And then the element comes in this year of he's going to see more stacked boxes at times. Um, And, I mean, that's a crazy thing to say because his quarterback plays have sucked. Um, Like Carson Wentz is an upgrade. But there's a sense to it where – they st- you, you still go back and watch games for Gibson and because he had such an impact in the past game. You don't mm-hmm. see as much stacked boxes for him because that was yeah. where his element came in. Carson, um, as we all know, and those listening um, have struggled to throw to the running back. So I'm worried that Gibson's strength and key ability to like, make impact plays is going to be taken away because Carson is the quarterback there. So that's kind of mm-hmm. why he ends up not in my top 15 at all. Makes sense. The Naeem Hines effect. Yeah. Other than that nostalgia, I really don't have any issues with. That was, that was, that was funny because that was, I mean, I, I looked at the list and I'm like, why, why is he on my goddamn list? Like we're, we're, we're naming players because of nostalgia. Crazy. I mean, he wasn't, and it wasn't like he was your 15th. You said he was 12, right? Yeah, he's like 12. Yeah, I mean, yeah. nostalgia got him in there. Not just right. in there. He, he didn't squeeze in. He's in. He didn't squeeze in. In six, in six in. years. Zeke's been in the league six years. The least amount of yards he's ever had in the season is 908. That is nuts. That is nuts. That is nuts. That's nuts. He's six had seasons. one hell of an offensive line. Absolutely. And he's never averaged less than four yards to carry. So he's been pretty solid. It's not like he's been awful, you know. But it, it's just that rookie year was so special for him, man. And – He's a far cry from that rookie year. All right. I'll just let you guys know. I have a shocker on my list that none of you named. He's going to say Naheem Hines. And I'm going to throw this. No. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. So number one for me is going to be Jonathan Tate. Wait, before you start, Destin, think of all Mike's bias. I'm I'm trying here. I'm trying. Oh, you will never guess it. You'll never guess it. There's not a TCU running back to name. So like that, that was where my first brain thought went. Um, he won't say any of the Texas teams. You can mark out anything there. Um, He's going to say something like Damian Harris. I want to guess. I, <laughs> I, I want to put a guess out in the world before he get, goes in. So like, I'm going to say. You can't um, cheat either and say Kadero Patterson. That's not a running back. Okay. My, I'm the, the running back I'll say is his surprise is Leonard Fournette. Okay. Did, did he get it? Rashad, okay, what okay, do you let say? me get my guess. Let me get my guess. Um I am going to go with uh, I've been trying to think of I'm gonna go with DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just so you know this guy, I'm gonna make you wait. This okay. guy is at 15. Okay. All right. He's at 15. So let's get on with it, guys. Who do you think is my surprise pick and my number 15 of running backs? Comment down below as you're Pause watching. Pause the this. video. Pause the video. Pause the video. And comment. And, let and if know. you get it wrong, which you most likely will, you got to give this video a thumbs up and subscribe. All right. So mm. number one is going to be Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts. I hear you guys, and I'm really not mad at whoever you put at number one because they're both just extremely talented. I know taking my Titans hate away, 
I'm not mad at Destin putting Derrick Henry at number one. I, I'm, I have zero issue with it because of how talented both of these players are. But for Jonathan Taylor, recognize what he did his rookie year. It was a bad start. It was a Destin. You and I were talking about it on another podcast. And I just kept saying, he's just got to calm down. He keeps going. He has to have patience. And he figured it out in Detroit. I think it was week eight of that 2020 uh, year. No, 20, 2020 year. Yeah, his rookie year. He figured it out. At that point in week eight, he had 200 rushing yards. And he finished the year over 1,000. Who has done that? Who has started off so poorly? It ended like that. So that was number, that was year one. Then he followed it up by being a MVP candidate, carrying his quarterback and his offense along with Michael Pittman Jr. to 1,800, 1800 yards. He is number one. Number two. Mike had to include Michael Pittman in that talk somehow. <laughs> number two. I got to go with Nick Chubb. Number two, I'm gonna go with Nick Chubb because Wait, of the year. Wait, in the because of the year that he had. Derrick Henry was injured. It's not Derrick Henry's fault. Nick Chubb was injured. Nick, Chubb, Nick, but Nick Chubb showed. Like, did you see that Cleveland LA game? Did you see that game? That dude ran wild. He I'm ran a, I'm wild. A, I'm, I'm gonna let you finish your list. I'm I gonna think, let you finish your list. That's I just wild. Think off of just pure talent, I think Nick Chubb. Uh, and because of obviously the unfortunate. Uh, thing that happened with Derrick Henry. I'll put Nick Chubb at number two. Number three, I got Derrick Henry uh, because, again, the greatness, power, speed, burst, stiff arms, production, longevity, all that good stuff. Number four, I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he's had some injuries and injury issues as well, and I think we're going to say a lot of that about these running backs in these lists. But uh, Dalvin Cook, again, dude is just great, patience. He knows how to read everything. Good pass blocker as well. Got him at number four. Number five, this was who I was debating number four and five with, but number five, I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara. I think he is the best pass catching uh, running back in the league. The dude is just so talented. He lines up in the slot a lot, but he can also run the damn ball. And if you have a high pick in the fantasy leagues, you take Alvin Kamara. At number six, this was a little bit of a decision for me, but number six, I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey. Off talent, he he's ju he just does it in between the tackles, outside the tackles, in the back, coming out of the backfield, catching the ball, lining up in the slot. He's got it all. Number seven, I'm going to go with Aaron, uh, Austin Eckler from the L.A. Chargers because of how good he is in the pass game. Austin Eckler is a big reason why Justin Herbert is going to be an MVP candidate this year. Austin, Austin Eckler is going to have a huge hand in that. And when you're doing that in the run and pass game, you got to be, um, you, you have to be number seven on, on, on this list. Number eight, I'm going to go with Aaron Jones uh, from Green Bay. Again, you know, he didn't lose his spot, just so you know. Spoiler alert, uh, Destin, he won't lose his spot this year. <laughs> he is so good. Rashad, how many touchdowns did he have on Monday night? How many touchdowns did he have? Like four or five? Oh, man. He had a lot. Just so yeah, you know, he, he ran it up. He ran it up. Okay. He ran it up and he had, he had other people wishing who had AJ Dillon on their fantasy. When is AJ Dillon going to get a snap? Never. Okay. Never. He's never going to get a snap. Number nine. I went with Saquon Barkley. Cause you know, he ended the year on, on a good note. 
he reminded people of, you know, why he was highly drafted as a freaking running back. Drafting a running backs that high is still crazy to me. But wow. he still showed that explosion. Now, if he can maintain health, his offensive line, they added some pieces this year. Mark Lewinsky, you got uh, Evan Neal. You added some pieces. Now, Kenny, I think I think a big year is in store for Saquon Barkley. Number 10, I'm going to go with Joe Mixon. And I do agree with uh, Whew, Destin. 10? He did. Okay. Uh, Dustin, he did have a good year, but he has been injured a lot. It's been inconsistent a lot. So for those reasons, I have him at number 10. Number 10, I have him at uh, Joe Mixon. Number 11, I'm going with Antonio Gibson from the Washington Commanders. Antonio Gibb, the Gibster. My guy, my guy from my favorite player on Washington. What's up? The Gibster. The that's Gibster. What you, that's, that's what you called this man? Okay. The Gibster from Memphis. The Gibster from the, is from, hilarious. <laughs> from Memphis. The guy is, is so good. You know, the offensive line in Washington wasn't the greatest. Obviously, he didn't have the greatest quarterback play, but they relied on him a lot. Him and uh, J.D. McKissick, who was that change of pace, uh, pass catching back out of the backfield. But Antonio Gibson deserves a lot of respect for what he's done so far in this league. He does great things. He, he, you know, battled a couple injuries last year, but he showed when he's in the game, whether he can pass the ball, run the ball, he, he is the complete package. And I think, again, like we saw with Jonathan Taylor, if that same workload, I do worry about the workload because of these past injuries. If what Jonathan Taylor got, if that goes on Antonio Gibson, damn, he might be done by week eight. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I really hope he doesn't. But just based off that, he is on my list at uh, – at number 11, number 12, I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs from Oakland. All right. The guy has, or Las Vegas, sorry. He has showed good things. The pass catching ability, I really don't like, but hey, you, you, you can't lie. The guy can't play between those tackles and he can get it done. Number, uh, number 13. Now I wanted to put this guy at number 12, but because he was a rookie, I let it go. But I think this guy is in store for a huge year in 2022. That is Najee Harris of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The guy, I think he had more forced missed tackles than Jonathan Taylor last year. The guy is a pass catching demon. He can run between the tackles. And if you really think about it, I wanted to uh, harp on your point, Rashad, but I'll, I'll make it here. He's going to have a rookie quarterback. And what is a rookie quarterback's favorite go-to? The dump down to the running back. That is going to be, this is going to be a big year for Najee Harris. He might vault into the top eight or seven of this list, maybe even top six, who knows. But based off that, he's got to be on my list. At number 14, I'll join the party. We got to give David Montgomery some love, man. Like Rashad said, he earned every inch, not even yard. He earned every inch behind that damn offensive line. And now, Damn, he probably going to have to do it again because they have no receivers to throw to. So great job, Matt Eberflus. Great start. Um, going to run David Montgomery into the ground. So got to give him here. Now at number 15, I might get some heat on this, but I love this running back. I think he is, he is better. If he got the starting job in that same workload than the guy in front of him, he will be on this list. I'm going, I'm going with Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys. I think his burst between the tackles is 
better than Ezekiel Elliott. He can pass. He can catch the ball, I think, a little bit better than Ezekiel Elliott. If he gets the same workload than Zeke, hell, I think he's already going to have the exact same or better stats than Ezekiel Elliott, okay? I'm not going off of nostalgia. I'm going off what just happened. Everybody was clamoring, more Tony Pollard, more Tony Pollard, more Tony Pollard, because Zeke can't do it anymore. More Tony Pollard, and I am pounding the table for more Tony Pollard in Big D. I'm pounding the table for Tony Pollard, especially to get to Indianapolis at some point. So, argue with your mama. That's my list. A backup running back being in the top 15 is bold. Um, I, I – I'm still going to have the biggest question on how Joe Mixon is that low. Um, And the word inconsistent to get thrown at Joe Mixon is an interesting one because I just feel like Joe Mixon has found ways to produce in awful situations and asks like maybe like if you own him in fantasy, it's not been the greatest thing to have because he's like had so many stacked boxes against him. But as a running back overall, who's had to do so much up until this point where the passing game is where it is now, I just don't see a way Joe Mixon can be. I believe you had him at 10. Yeah. Yeah. So and I mentioned already why Gibson wasn't on my list. Tony Pollard being at 15 is a, uh, is a take. Um, it's a <laughs> now real quick, real quick for Joe Mixon. Is this a little biased because he was in Oklahoma when you were? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, his tenure in Oklahoma wasn't exactly uh, – Hey, it was pretty good now. Well, yeah. I'm not talking about statistically. Uh, I'm just saying he left some uh, questionable things off the field uh, <laughs> when it, while he was in college. So I, I don't know if I'd say I have a positive bias towards him. I'm just saying as a player since he's been in the league, Mixon's a guy who I just think has worked so hard since day one and had to be the offense in Cincinnati for so long, whereas last year we saw – Rashad kind of mentioned it when the boxes kind of opened up we just see how talented that kid is and I know that I have him higher than most are going to have him at four but I don't know how you can have him not in your top seven personally yeah that's kind of crazy but I'm I got the same pretty much same gripes as you the Joe Mixon uh Tony Pollard I think it's it's hilarious not gonna kill you about it because a few touches he did have last year. He, he he looked good. He looked really good, actually. And you say people was pounding the table for Tony Pollard. You're correct. But you ever have, like, that shiny new toy that you think is the greatest toy in the world because it's new and you just got it? You know how long you play with that toy? I don't know. He's been, he's been in Dallas, I think, three years. Has yeah, it been three but, years? But he's not, been, like, not really that new two now. Right, right. He hasn't really been getting a lot of touches up until uh, I think year before last was his first year really getting. I think he had over 100 touches that year. And this year, the workload definitely picked up. I really I really believe if he got Zeke's workload, we would see we would see a star in Dallas and Tony Pollard personally. It's possible, man. Maybe that maybe that chance happens this year. You know, we'll see. We'll see. He definitely should get more opportunities. I do agree with that. And, and he's 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 better in a, in a passing game for sure. I, I mean, I don't even think that's a debate. But you just got to see him be an every down running back. All right. Well, guys, if you have any questions, concerns about any of our list, put them down in the comment section below. Let's get to the interior defensive line. Destin. 
How about we start with you? You want to go last, right? Oh, he want to go last. Okay, I can go. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. I can go. It's whatever. Okay, Destin Adams, the floor is yours. All right, I'm sure number one's going to be the same for everybody. So Aaron Donald, um, we could have probably just started with that, like already penciled into the list. Um, Aaron Donald, it could have been a top fourteen. Yeah, say so we could have made a top fourteen list where the one was already in, but uh, Aaron Donald at one. I think the next three names I could see in any order. I'm going to go off my personal preference because of what I've seen. Can um, I guess who your three is? Yeah. Is it uh, Cam Hayward, DeForest Buckner, and Chris Jones? Those are the three. Yeah. Wow. I think those, like, those three are the ones that I think are interchangeable in whatever order. But I'm going to go off of just like looking at them and what they've had to be with them as well and then Mm -hmm. what we see i'm gonna go to forrest buckner at two i think what buck offers on both the run game and pass game is just incredible and then you add in the elements that he's just not had any edge rushers to take presence off of him like i'm not seeing cameron hayward and chris jones take triple teams which is unheard of like you see aaron donald get that but you'll see DeForest buckner get that these last couple of years because his most productive edge rusher has been alquadine muhammad and like that's not like, we take shots at that guy all the time. Like I'm not trying to like just drive that into the ground, but like that is just a crazy stat to me to share. Like I think Buck needs is going to have the best edge room he's had by far this year, and I think it's going to help him really shine. I think he's the second best guy to Aaron Donald. At three, I have Cameron Hayward. Dude has been so productive for so long. Is a Hall of Famer. Um, Got to be at three for me. At four, I have Chris Jones again, just super productive out there in KC on what has not been a super talented defensive line, but has had better edge presence than the Colts recently. And I think that element is kind of what drives that down from Buck for me. But those three again, whatever order. Then I got some young guys coming in the list here, five through seven. At five, I got Jeffrey Simmons out of Tennessee. At six, I have Vita Vea out of Tampa. And at seven, I have Jonathan Allen. Um, it's a really, it's a really solid young group of guys at this position right now. Like I like all three of those young guys. At eight, um, I got a guy who's in the middle of the in the age realm of things. I have Grady Jarrett um, out of Atlanta. At nine, I have Leonard Williams, who has played a little bit of interior, a little bit um, on the outside. He's mostly an interior guy, though. Um, I really like his game. At 10, I have Kenny Clark, really, really nice um, run stopper there in Green Bay. At 11, I have an older guy who's had a drop off, but I think he's still very talented in Fletcher Cox um, at 11. At 12, this is one of my guys in the league, and I I don't know if he'll be on your guys' top 15, but I really love what he does. He was in Houston for a while, now in Cincinnati, DJ Reader. Um, I have DJ Reader at 12. I think he's a really, really productive run stopper. I think he adds a little element to the pass game, but just so dynamic in the run game. At 13, I have another younger guy in Christian Wilkins. I think last year we kind of saw him take that next step to being a super productive pro. Um, So I think he could be a guy that even moves up this list even more this year. At 14, I have the newly signed Tampa Bay Buck, um, Akeem Hicks, um, who was in Chicago, just a very productive guy for multiple years. And I feel like he still has enough in the tank where I can keep him at 14. And at 15, another older guy back in Baltimore for another year. But his production just is not – it can't make – I can't keep him out of my top 15, however old he is, and Calais Campbell. Dude is a monster in the inside. I have him at 15, no matter if he's 37. Okay, I I'm actually kind of 
speechless at how very similar our lists are. Uh, Rashad, is it is his very similar to yours? Destin, Destin has one player that I don't have on my list. Literally, that's how close our, our list is. Um, and I think it I was saw a uh, face. I saw a face, Michael, in the middle there on somebody. I, I, was it Jonathan Allen that you weren't that you weren't a fan of how high he was? No, 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 no. I that was my reaction to how similar our list. Oh, are. okay, okay. That was, that Christian was my Wilkins. Christian Wilkins is the guy I don't have on my list. I but I, I, list I totally understand why yeah. he is on your list. He took a massive step this past year, but he started trending, you know, a little bit the year before. But he took a big step mm-hmm. this year, this past year. So I, I definitely get why he's on the list. Okay, I, uh, I, I okay, Rashad, I'll, I'll have you go last. I, I'll guess I'll okay. go ahead and go okay. second. Uh, I don't know what y'all's reaction is gonna be to one of these guys that I have on this list. Uh, oh God, he's trying to I'm be not gonna shot, have y'all. Yeah. I'm not gonna have okay. a guest game, but uh, let, let's just go ahead and start it off. Number one, we already know who that is. Number two, oh, well, number one, Aaron Donald, so I can be on the record. Number two, DeForest Buckner. Again, what has he done with what help has been no help? Uh, Pay was a rookie. He's still been getting triple double teams and still creating pressure. He can line up outside and still create pressure, beat tackles. Number three, Cameron Hayward. Oh, my gosh. An immovable object. So good. Number four, Chris Jones from the Chiefs. Me, personally, this was a fight between four and five, but I'll have Chris Jones here. I think he did step it up this year for Kansas City on the defense because, boy, did they need it because their defense absolutely sucks. But he, he was what they needed in the pass rush well, in the pass rush realm of things number five i'm gonna go with jeffrey simmons even though he's a titan i still love his game i really loved him coming out of the draft if it wasn't for that uh knee injury he would have been a top five pick in my opinion they had him slide all the way down to what was it like number 21 i think it was for the titans he slid all the way down there and i just he was just so penetrating as a player even now even for the for the Colts, we had trouble stopping him. He got three sacks in a playoff game. Even though it was against the Bengals, he got three sacks in a playoff game. That's crazy. Now, number six is going to be Jonathan Allen. My guy, Jonathan Allen in Washington. Former Alabama uh, Crimson Tide. So good. So good. He He's really one of the more underrated defensive tackles in, in the league, probably because he plays in Washington. Chase Young is stealing headline. Not really stealing. But that whole defensive line. That whole is defensive pheno- line is, is, is phenomenal, okay? But Jonathan Allen creates so much havoc in the middle of the line. He creates so much. He's such a good run stopper, but he can go get the quarterback as well. He would be, oh, I just love this. Me personally, I love Jonathan Allen more than Jeffrey Simmons, but talent-wise, I do think Jeffrey Simmons is higher on my board than Jonathan Allen. Number seven, I'm going to go with Vita Vea. This dude has been, in my opinion, the anchor to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. This guy stops the run. And, of course, when we played them this past year, the whole week, can you run the ball on the Buccaneers? Can you run the ball on the Buccaneers? Vita Vea said no. He said no. He was not getting moved. Instead, he was moving our offensive linemen. So he's not much of a pass rusher, but what he does in the middle of that championship defense is important to know, and he's young. Number eight is going to be Kenny Clark for me. Not many times do you see a nose tackle being able to not just run the stop the run, but also rush the passer. Kenny Clark does that in Green Bay. He's got to get the nod for me at number eight. Number nine, I'm actually going to go with Leonard Williams here. 
kind of forgotten uh, a forgotten name, but for you, Rashad, fight on USC Trojan. I got to put him here at number nine because even though he plays in New York, not a lot of people watch them because of, you know, they don't really have a quarterback, so nothing really to watch. He still does some good things on that defensive line. He's still gaining all the attention, of course, but now, Rashad, your boy Aziz Ajilari, he's arrived on the scene. He's going to provide some help, and I think this will be a good year for uh, Leonard Williams. Number 10 is going to be Grady Jarrett for, for me from Atlanta because even though he's on a very, very bad defense, he still gets a lot of attention. And he's still able to do some really good things in terms of rushing the passer. And this is a guy who was a free agent a few years ago. I was pounding the table for him because I knew the type of player he could be. And he is. He's got to be on my list at number 10. Number 11, I'm going to go with the vet, man, Fletcher Cox. He's been doing it a long time. Even at, what is he, 33 years old? He's still, he, he's still rushing the passer. He's still stopping the ball, stopping the run. And... At some point, I just haven't seen a fall off yet to where I have to take him out of the top 15. Haven't seen that yet. So, Fletcher Cox, you got to be on my list at number 11. Number 12, DJ Reader was a big part of the Cincinnati Bengals defense. He was the main guy up there in the middle. I know he was sharing it with Larry Ogunjobi, who just got signed earlier today. DJ Reader has been good for a while. It's just, you know, keeping it consistent. And what he did in Cincinnati – to get help get them to the Super Bowl was great. Good force in the middle of the line. Number 13, Rashad, I'm not sure if you're going to like this or not, but I'm going to go with David Onyemata from the New Orleans Saints. I got to give him some love here because he does play with Cam Hayward, but I really like what I've seen. I really like what I've seen. I've watched the Cam- Cameron Saints. Jordan. Cameron Jordan, sorry. Yeah, Cameron Cameron Jordan. I've watched a couple Saints game. I see a guy pop off my screen. I'm like, who the heck is that? Is that Davenport? No, that's not Davenport. Oh, that's David Onyemata coming up the middle. Dude can be really good. He can pop off any moment. I think for New Orleans, Dennis Allen obviously be becoming the head coach. You know, what are they going to ask more of him? Because I think with two guys on the outside, like Jordan, like Davenport, I want to see him take advantage of more one-on-ones, 1v1s. I want to see him take a little bit more advantage of that. But in terms of talent, man, I really like what I've seen from him. You know, maybe I'm forgetting a defensive tackle. Maybe I haven't watched another defensive tackle. But I really like what I've seen from this guy from New Orleans. Number 14, I've got to go. I'm going to give some love from to another Eagle, Javon Hargrave. I think, you know, as, as a solid vet, He's done some good things, obviously, was in Pittsburgh, came to came to Philadelphia and was a force along with Fletcher Cox for that Philadelphia defense to help them get to the playoffs. What him and Fletcher Cox were able to do was stop the run, obviously, but they were also to be durable was the biggest thing. And the fact that you can do that at those ages really means a lot to me. At number 15, Got to go with another young buck who, you know, struggled a little bit here because he really doesn't have much help. His teammate got injured in the offseason. I'm going to go with Quentin Williams from the New York Jets. You know, Carl Lawson was supposed to be a real good help to help free him up a little bit, take some attention off him. Unfortunately, he got injured, so Quentin Williams was left to still garner all the attention from the offensive line. But this is a guy, if he can get more help, he can possibly be in the top 10, not just the top 10, 15, the top 10. 
I liked him in 2020. He he was trending upwards, but he really struggled last year. Uh, I think he took a step backwards. But like you say, it was it, it was nothing on that defensive line for him. But I, I'm really interested to see how he plays in that Robert Salah, you know, defense. I, I'm interested to see what's exactly his role and what they're going to ask him to do in that system to see if he can take that next step, though. So, yeah, I mean, so just real quick thoughts on Mike's list. But Hargraves was at 16 for me, like right on the edge of getting into my top 15. I really like what his game looked like in Pittsburgh. I think he continued that in Pitts and um, in Philadelphia. Um, and then Williams, um, I, uh, like Rashad said, I think 2020, it looked like a year where he had built something to build on. And I feel like he's only moved backwards now. The edge room has not been much of a presence to kind of help there. Um, but he just doesn't, he just hasn't had that physical presence that I think they expected from taking him in that top. Um, I want to say he was taken at three, but it was top five for sure um, when he was drafted. I, I, I do feel like he's underperformed a little bit in that aspect to why he wasn't in my top 15. Yeah, man. Oh, uh, your, your list wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, bro. <laughs> your list is not other, as bad as uh, I thought. Other, it was. other than the one name that you said was going to be the shocker, and I, I just was wild that he was in there. But that, that's your call, Rashad. What oh, you got for us, man? Oh, I got a, I got a, definitely got a homer pick at fifteen. By homer, I, I don't mean a coach pick either. You'll, you'll see when, when I get there. But oh, Ooh, I, no, Grover Stewart, love. No, no, Grover. Sorry, Grover. Uh, number one, Aaron Donald, self-explanatory. Uh, I think we all had the the same two through four. Uh, I I went with Chris Jones at two, uh, DeForest Buckner at three, Cameron Hayward at four. Um, mostly because Chris Jones just gives you a little more juice as far as uh pass rush in the pass rush department than DeForest. But I think that's unfair to even say because they was asked to do two totally different things. I think this year will be a more accurate depiction of that because we'll see Buckner getting up the field a bit more and, and rushing the passer a bit more with a lot of help on the defensive line as well. So I went with two Chris Jones, three DeForest Buckner, four Cameron Hewitts. I feel the same about him as I feel about the other two. All of those guys are elite tier guys. I have them in a separate tier than the rest of these guys that's on this list. Number five is Jeffrey Simmons. That's pretty much been the same for everybody. Number six is a guy that I'm higher on than everybody else. He's on you guys' list, but you guys don't have him that high. And that is Kenny Clark. I think he has the potential to be a star. I think he, him along with Jeffrey Simmons is two guys that's really on that brink of entering that next tier, along with one other guy that I'm about to get to in a second. So uh, Kenny Clark was my number six. Grady Jarrett, my number seven, just been a model of consistency for a long period of time, whether good defensive line, bad defensive line. He's haven't had a consistent edge presence since uh, Vic Beasley. Uh, we know how many years ago that was. Uh, number eight is Jonathan Allen. That's another guy that another young guy that I feel like can enter that elite tier as well. If you keep going along this trajectory, trajectory. Number nine is Vita Vey. Uh, I love Vita Vey's game. Uh, the only reason he's not as high as the other guys, because he doesn't offer as much upside as a pass rusher, but as far as stopping a run, it, it, it gets no better. You know, he's a mountain in, in there, he, he's the immovable object. So, um, 10, I have DJ Reader, a guy that 
up a lot of people probably didn't expect to be that high but i saw him up close and personal for two two times a year for for a couple of years and that guy is a really talented guy extremely big man but gives you some juice in a pad in a pass rush department but it's just a, a every down a early down run stopper is the exact name for for what he does on a consistent basis number 11 leonard williams He's a USC Trojan. I don't need to say anymore. Uh, number 12 is Akeem Hicks, a guy that I think is going to be an underrated signing. He waited to late in the process to sign. I think he's going to make a major impact on that defensive line. It, it, they're going to wreck They're going to wreck stuff out there. Number 13 is the old man who was cut by his team and then re-signed with the same team, Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox has just been a staple on these type of lists for the last decade. You know, he's a guy that's super talented, pass rusher, run stuffer. He can do it all. And the same thing with my number 14 guy, and that's Calais Campbell. Well, just a defensive stalwart for many, many years. I don't even know how old he is. He's probably 36, 35, somewhere in that range. He's just been a great, great player for a long time. That body type, that length that he has, just allows him to just stuff the run. My number 15, total homer pick. I'm biased. It's a guy I saw a lot of. It's Sebastian I know. I know who Joseph it is. Day. Yep, that's exactly who I was going to say. Seabass, Seabass, I think, is a guy who's just scratching the surface on his potential. I think you would have really saw him have a breakout year had he not had the injury last season. I was glad to see him get a Super Bowl. But guess what? He's going to have an important role with a on the Chargers defense, a Chargers defense that absolutely could not stop the run to save their life. So they went and spent a lot of assets to beef up that interior defensive line, added Khalil Mack, Joey Bolts on the other side. That defensive line is going to wreck things. And, and I think he's going to be a focal point of that. He's going to give you some juice as a pass rusher. He's a dominant run stopper. One of those... Oh, old traditional throwback noses, man, that doesn't mind getting his, getting his nose dirty. I love Seabass. So that's my list. Man, yeah. good. when you were leading up to 15, I was just like, who is this guy that he's homering? And then right when you got to 15, it hit me. I'm just like, Sebastian Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I had to put Seabass on there, man. Seabass works his ass off. Such a great guy. Man. See, I would, love to, I would love to say, I mean, like, I mean, I don't know. Sebastian Joseph Day was with Aaron Donald. Is he going to be able to produce? But he's going to a team where on the edges he's got <laughs> Khalil Mack right. and Joey Bosa now. That's, but. that's the same thing they said about my brother. Kenny Coach, he was with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, and now he's with Aaron Donald. Is, is he really a good coach? So, right. You know, hey, so. his, 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 his pocket says he's a good coach. That's, uh, that's, all, hey, that's, hey, that's hey. all you got to say. But, uh, <laughs> but, I mean, when it comes to Sebastian Joseph Day and the Chargers, I mean, can the Chargers be worse? At stopping the run than last no, year because no. it was it was awful. Um, I mean, it was a big reason why that talented team isn't in the wasn't in the playoffs even. Like you you have to have some sort of ability to stop the run because the biggest thing is when a team can run all over you, they take the life out of you. They take the life out of a defense that has talent on it. Like that defense has talent, um, but they were made to look mediocre and they weren't messing around this off season. Um, as we saw, they're they're going all in on the rookie contract quarterback route. Um, and Sebastian Joseph Day was an excellent move for them. One of the best, if not the best, run stopper that was on the free agency market for them to be able to go grab and they go do that also add into the pass rush department i don't hate him being in the top 15 until i see him have to be the top 
interior guy on his team, which we will see that this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard mm-hmm. for me to include him there just because every other guy that I have on my list was is their top guy in the is, interior. Yeah, for sure. So so that was the biggest reason why he's not there for me. Mm-hmm. I was honestly thinking Greg Gaines, but I'm just like, wait, someone else was there, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, that guy's. Better. I like I like Greg Gaines too. I think Maybe he's gonna Greg fill. Gaines. I think he's gonna fill in that Sebastian role pretty well. I, I'm I not like mad it. at it. I'm not mad at it whatsoever. That's some good list, guys. Uh, uh, wasn't nothing pretty outlandish out of all of all of our lists. We pretty much have some of the same, most of the same people actually. So wasn't a lot to fight about. I'm proud of you. Really wasn't. I'm, I'm proud of you guys as well, man. I'm proud of you. I, I thought somebody may have wanted to please the fans and put Grover Stewart in there, but <sighs> maybe in a cook-off, but if I was using this episode to please the fans, I wouldn't have started out with Derrick Henry at one on the running back list, so. Yeah, you, you pissed everybody off pretty early. They probably didn't even make it to this part of the They're show. not here. They're not even here. They didn't see our interior time lists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. Hey, rumor has it Grover can make some barbecue. I'm not sure if it's Texas barbecue, but he can make some barbecue. So other than that, guys, it has been a fun show. It's been a lengthy show. So again, thank you for, you know, riding it out with us. Thank you for staying here. I do. uh, I do wish everybody who was a father this past weekend, a happy late Father's Day, Mr. Uh, Rashad McGinnis, Mr. Uh, Destin Adams. I do appreciate every single one of you guys and what you do as fathers. So happy late Father's Day. And Mike, Mike, Mike cares. <laughs> Mike the hashtag Mike cares. <laughs> hashtag Mike cares. Well, all right. I did. That was not the hashtag I was envisioning in the summer of 2022. But we're here, right? So other than that, guys, if you haven't already, be sure to like this video. Give it a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe. We are on the road to 1K. We see a couple a couple coming in, but there's still a lot of you that keep peeking in without hitting that button. So help us out. Hit that button for if, if not for me, you know, if, if, if can I get a birthday subscribe? I just turned 24. Can Rashad get a hey. can Rashad get a happy Father's Day subscribe? Can Destin? Well, no one cares about Destin. Can can me and Rashad get those (laughs) subscribers in? All right. Destin had a father. He was a father. This was his first Father's Day. Can he get a subscription going for the Blue Stable? So, other than that, guys, you want to check out more articles? Make sure they're always down in the in the description below. Check out the website. Make sure you subscribe to the newsletter going out every single week. And you can also check in in that newsletter what articles are coming in the week and what is going to be talked about in the later show instead of having to wait till Wednesday to see it drop. What are we going to talk about? No, you get to figure out four days prior. So without further ado, he is Destin Adams. He is Rashad Mickey Mouse, Disneyland McGinnis. And I am Michael Pevia. Destin. Good luck Thursday. I love you. All of you Pacer fans, best of luck. Hopefully someone is stupid enough to take that contract of Malcolm Brogdon. Best of luck, guys. And once again, you are listening to the Blue Stable Podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.